Welcome to Lift Leadership Podcast with Bobby Alger. Each episode, Bobby will share insights and tips from his over 25 years of church leadership experience. For new episodes and more information, please visit CrossroadsWinchester.com. Hi everyone, Bobby Alger here and welcome to our second podcast of Lift Leadership. In today's session, I want to talk to you about are you leading from vision or are you leading from values and what's the difference? In my last podcast, we talked about selecting loyal leaders and that really was born out of mistakes that I made over a period of time and how I was selecting leaders and I trust that you have seen that, watched that and received from it and maybe passed it along to a friend that you thought could benefit as well. And today we're going to look at the difference between leading from vision or leading from values. Now I realize that my leadership has come out of uh, 27 years in pastoral ministries. I started out on the farm and then I had a stint for a period of time in business. After that, I was uh, I jumped into a multi-site and a, a multi-location church setting. Um, during that time, uh, it was a six-year period of time. I learned a lot of leadership, again, uh, with, with a lot of different leaders and, and going to seminars and reading books. And uh, then after six years, I resigned and planted a church from scratch, moved an hour north and started a church from scratch where I've been now for 21 years. During that time, I also uh, had a side business for 10 years. And then the church began to grow in recent times. And so I dispersed of that business. So that's kind of the context of where I come from. I realized that most of my leadership has been in a spiritual setting, but I believe that the principles that I'm giving uh, for you today will fit in whether you're leading a family, whether you're leading a small group, whether you're leading a, a small business or maybe even in a large corporation. I believe that the principles that I'm giving you today will help you and encourage you. So let's jump in of what it means to lead from vision or from values. By the time that we finish today, I hope that you'll be able to assess yourself and recognize that which one you have the tendency to lean towards. I was uh, traveling back from a funeral riding with an administrative pastor and he was frustrated with his church leadership. So I began to ask him questions. I said, uh, how are your leaders selected from the people? And he said, well, the way that we do it, we have anybody in our congregation submit names of people that they feel is would make a good leader. And I thought, wow, that's different from how I would do it. But uh, what do you think the average person is thinking about when they uh, submit a name or select a person? He said, well, uh, I would imagine they would think, do they have Bible knowledge? Do people like them? Uh, maybe an ability to speak? And I said, so they're not really thinking about do they carry vision or do they have the ability to lead people or can they you know, have that, that charisma about them that rallies people? And he said, no, probably not. And I thought, wow. No wonder you're frustrated and no wonder the people are frustrated. They're ready to go somewhere and do something, but they don't have a visionary leader to lead them. That's a problem. So as we look at this, uh, this idea of, of working from vision or from values, I want to I target vision first. 
What does it mean to lead from vision? And um, if you've ever obtained a life coach, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, you ever obtained a life coach, uh, one of the things they will have you do is to write down a personal vision. Now, I've not done that, but I have in conjunction with my wife. We went to a, uh, a, a consultant some years ago and um, he had us develop a ministry slash marriage vision. Now, as we were given that uh, responsibility or, or uh, we were given that assignment, one of the things that we did that I look back now and I thought, wow, that was kind of novel. We asked the question, what have others said about our leadership? Not just what do we think, but what have others said about us? And we begin to take that in consideration as we begin to build our visionary statement, our vision statement uh, that was born out of what others were saying, what what was on our heart, and then we mix that all together, you know, put put the stew in the pot, let it cook for a little bit on the stove, and we came out with a vision slash uh, uh, marriage slash ministry statement that we look back on today and say, yep, that's us. And so as you, as you begin to develop a, a vision statement for your organization, again, if you're the primary leader of that, you first of all have to start with who am I and how am I wired? And one of the things that I, I found, a tool that I found that was most helpful in that is a personality test. Now I've taken many personality tests of the years. I've taken the DISC, I've taken the um, Taylor Johnson, I've taken the Enneagram, I've taken uh, Strength Finders, but the one that I found that was probably the most helpful in this area of understanding how I do vision is the Berkman Behavioral Model. Uh, that's not really well known in most circles. It's, uh, if you're in a business setting, you may have heard of it because that's more prominent there. But one of the things the Berkman showed me is it really puts uh, people in four quadrants the first one is a planner, a thinker. The second one is a communicator, you know, a talker. Uh, the third quadrant is a, a doer or an expediter. And the fourth one is an administrator or a numbers type person. So here's kind of how I, I, I um, uh, um, here's kind of how my profile came out. I primarily was a planner and a thinker. And then secondarily, I was a, um, communicator. And then the, the, the last two categories, I was tied between that of a doer and that of administrator. And as I look back, I begin to realize that in regards to vision, I would think and I would plan and I would write it down and I would communicate and then I would run out of gas. I would just totally, when I got to the implement, implementation stage, I would just run out of gas. I had put so much emotional time and energy into thinking and planning and communicating when it came time to really do it, I just kind of lost it. And I wondered many times why this incredible vision never went anywhere. And it's because I had put too much energy in the front end and not really recognized I needed to, to kind of stage myself in order to carry it all the way through and make the adjustments. So what did I do? I, once I realized that, I made some adjustments and I realized I need to save some gas for the journey. 
not just getting started or idling there before I, um, I came out of the parking lot. And the other thing that I did was I, I realized that I had this natural bent to plan and think and communicate. I needed to bring a team around me that were expediters and doers. Not that they didn't have their own vision, but they were like standing outside my door saying, what do we do next? What do we do next week? Or come to a staff meeting. And they were ready to engage. And so I realized that that's what's happened over the years that uh, I've intentionally brought on people that are doers. They, they are ready to go. They're ready to implement the vision that uh, is set forth. And I, and I think that's very, <clears throat> I think that's very important to, to learn uh, how you're wired and how you do vision and to be able to then bring others around you that complement you in that way. So as we look at vision, I realize that uh, vibrant organizations always have visionary leaders up front. And uh, visionary leaders are, are those, again, that not only build a vision, but they communicate the vision, but they also either themselves or bring a team around them that are able to put that vision into place. And so uh, one of the things that I, I realize is you have to know how you are wired as a person if you are the uh, primary leader in that. And um, instead of running the full race myself, I learned how to set up a, a relay. And uh, obviously if you've ever run or understand a relay race, that the most important part of the race is the passing of the baton. Can that baton be passed? Can that vision be passed to someone else that can run with it as equally as what you have in mind. And I realize also that um, a good vision is should never rise and fall on you as a primary leader. It should be shared with the, your core team as well as the people in your organization. Everybody owns it together and is running and doing their part. <clears throat> now I want to talk about just a couple of things that what makes vision effective. And that is, uh, first of all, is a little bit of a recap, but first of all, we'll dig in a little bit deeper. What, uh, in order to have an effective vision, first of all, you need to understand yourself. And I just kind of went over that. What are your strengths and what are your limitations? And um, recognize that you don't have it all. And for a period of time, I probably thought I had it all. And then I began to mature and realize I don't. And so I began to then uh, grow in my strengths and staff my limitations or weaknesses. Now, you don't have to have a staff in order to do that. You can do that with volunteers or other people around you. Just recognize who you are and who you're not and uh, uh, know the difference and be able to build a team around you that, again, has your areas of weaknesses that, that is their strengths. The other thing about an effective vision, number two, is that uh, visionary leaders don't just put clever words together for a vision statement, but they also paint a word picture. And um, I, I really captured this when I think about in the book of Genesis where Abraham, God gave Abraham a vision. And he gave him, first of all, words. He says, I'm gonna make you into a great nation. And Abraham said, fine, I'm ready for that. But God didn't stop there. He said, now, 
step outside the tent and look up into the stars and start counting them. That's the number of offspring that you're going to have. And so a great vision is not only clever words of maybe where you want to go, but it also presents a word picture. Because I can imagine that Abraham had those words and maybe he got busy in life and lost the words. But every time he stepped out at night and looked up to the stars, he was reminded of the word picture. And so think about the fact that does your vision statement create a word picture for those that are in your organization or those that hear about it. I was reminded of, a, of an airline in Europe and uh, their vision statement is, we'll take you there. Simple as that. You dream about your vacation and we'll take you there. So again, there was a, a, a word picture that was created with that simple vision statement of you dream and we'll take you there. I was, uh, I was reminded about when uh, some years ago, Wanda and I were house hunting and, and we would go on those virtual tours that they have now of seeing houses and, and we would look at the pictures and we would go, wow, we've got to see this house and man, this land looks incredible. And then we would get there, we would go, oh, wow, this doesn't look anything like uh, what we saw in the picture the reality didn't match up with the picture that we saw online. And I guess that's uh, what a good photographer does. They present a picture online that entices you to want to come to look at the property. Well, we did find a property that, uh, that um, was, uh, was for us, but it wasn't based upon the picture that we saw. However, I am saying this, that good visions do entice you with a good word picture that helps you uh, to capture you and bring you in. The third thing I want to mention about effective vision is that good vision statements are meant to be updated and changed. Yes, updated and changed, not forever and ever. In fact, I've heard uh, prominent leaders say that uh, vision should be uh, evaluated and perhaps changed every seven years. And I've kind of taken that in and, and as I look back uh, over our church that's been in existence now for 21 years, we've had three different vision statements or, or mission statements. And so uh, we started with one kind of midway through, we changed to another, and, and now recently we have a third one. Now, I didn't really change the direction of the church. It's just that I felt like that the language needed to be updated, it needed to be refreshed. Maybe, um, the culture has changed. For instance, now in the, in the 20s, you know, the 2020s, we're in a whole different environment than we were in the teens. Uh, we've just come through a pandemic. We're coming through one. I mean, there's a lot of, of changes that have happened in the world. And sometimes you got to go back to your vision statement and say, does it match up? Or maybe your organization grew in a direction that you didn't expect that can happen and so you have to adapt that vision statement over to where the growth is occurring because that's what's happening and so a vision statement should uh, it should it should be dynamic not static it should be something that is living and therefore needs to be evaluated and changed over time now let me just uh, recap this this um, this section on vision and then we'll move on to values um, number one, determine who you are and who you're not. Uh, 
that's important. And engage in several uh, personality evaluations to help determine that. Ask other people uh, what they see in your leadership and just get their honest opinion in that. That's always helpful. I've heard it said that we don't attract who we want, we attract who we are. We don't attract who we want, we attract who we are. I'd love to attract a lot of millionaires at our church, right? Uh, hasn't happened yet. But what I found that we do attract in, in, in not just the people that come, but um, over the years, there's been burned out leaders. There's been pastors that have, uh, for whatever reason, been without a church assignment. And they come to our church and they rest. They feel safe. They feel encouraged. That's not something I planned, but it's something that's within the vision of, of what has been happening in our church. And I recognize that. So again, it's like we attract leaders that are burned out and then they, they get refreshed and they go out and take another church assignment and go for it. So again, recognize that you don't attract who you want, you attract who you are. The second thing in vision and in, in recap here is don't just communicate a vision with words, create a word picture so much more effective that, uh, um, as they say, you know, a picture creates or um, captures or is a thousand words. And so you, you actually multiply your vision when you have a word picture associated with it. And the final thing is uh, don't or, or um, refresh your vision every several years. Don't just uh, say this is forever and ever and, and uh, we'll, we'll never change. But the final thing I want to say is leading with vision is important. In fact, there's a Proverbs that says that without a vision, the people perish. And um, digging a little deeper in that, another translation says, without a vision, people cast off restraint. What that essentially means is if you don't have a vision for them, they're going to make up their own. It, it to me is like uh, the bumper guards in a bowling alley. A vision is like the bumper guards. You might throw a bad ball and it'll go in the gutter, but it's rarely, if ever, going to jump over into the other lane because the vision sets up those bumper guards for that ball to flop back and forth and perhaps even get into the middle and, and give that person a strike or give your organization a strike. And so that's what a good vision does. It's like a river. A river is flowing with life. It's going somewhere. A swamp is sitting there. There's probably more water in a swamp, but it's stale and stagnant. Stagnant. A river is flowing. It's life-giving. It has banks. And that's what a good vision does, that it gives us the opportunity to, uh, to move uh, in a way that is life-giving and important and valuable for all those involved. Now let's jump over into the values realm. Values are the underpinning of vision. Values are, uh, well, rather vision is more general. Values are more specific or even more meaningful for the organization. Values are the lens that you see life through and your people see life through. For instance, um, um, you can, um, I've heard it said that, that values are like germs. We all have them. Where did we get them? 
we pick them up somewhere. So values are come from your family of origin, how what your family deemed was important and what not. They also come from the culture that you grew up in, what the culture deems important and what not. That's how we accumulate values. And so when you get into an organization that begins to form values, you have to realize that everybody has their personal values, but then you have corporate or you have company or you have organizational values. And sometimes they can clash and other times they can be the same or similar that the people can function in your organization when they're there, even though they might have personal values that are different when they're not a part of your organization or on, your, uh, on their own at times. So values are something that is, is deeper. It's something that's more meaningful. As I shared earlier, I was a part of a multi-site, uh, uh, multi-location or multi-staff church. And so the senior leader there had this vision of wanting to be one church in many locations. And there's nothing wrong with that vision. In fact, I, I supported it. Now what happened is that uh, over time, and he reached this place of saying that all the, the pastors that were at their, their outlying locations, their satellite locations, that they would need to leave their offices there and come to a central location and that we would pastor our satellites from a central location. And that's when my personal value began to rub against the corporate value. I said, that's not me. I want to be in the satellite location. Sure, I can come together centrally for meetings, but I want to be there with the people. I want to, I want to be with my, my, my community. I want to be with my congregation. I don't want to be in a central location apart from them. And so again, it's just an example of a value change that happened. Now there was nothing wrong with his vision. There was nothing wrong with his value wanting to centralize. Just didn't fit me. And so as a result, uh, over time, I resigned and I planted a church on my own that more fit the value that I saw in the setting in the organization that I was a part of. So again, just giving you an example of, of a value change. I, I think of a father that had uh, or has six children, five boys and one girl, and all of his boys play football. So you can imagine father and his, and his wife, uh, they spent a lot of times cheering in the stands. But his father, uh, and so uh, football, contact sport, right? Contact sport, the players get hurt. The father had this value. Every time that there would be a player that would get hurt on the field and be carried to the sidelines or taken into the locker room, he would follow them and he would begin praying and asking for healing for that hurt player. And over the period of years, the coach said, I can always count on the father coming and praying for those hurt players. It was a predictable behavior. And that's what values are. Values are a predictable behavior of what you want your people when they're at work with you or a part of your organization, they are a predictable behavior of how they are going to serve or how they're going to respond to people, whether within your organization or those uh, coming to join your organization or those that are receiving your product. 
Let me just recap something here. And that is vision is what you are doing and where you are going. Vision, what you're doing, where you're going. Values are why you are doing it and whether or not it's actually meaningful. Why you are doing it and whether or not it's actually meaningful. People that are in your organization, they're wondering, are, are they making a difference? Part of your leadership is affirming the fact that they are making a difference. People want to know, is this company going up or is it going under? People in the church want to know, is the church growing or are we just in constant turnover? Again, these are things that people are thinking. It really fits in the whole values realm. And so values are both meaningful and they are necessary. For instance, uh, we place a high value in our church on prayer. And so what we've done in order to um, highlight that is that, that we've given many opportunities for people to pray in groups. Uh, at the end of our service, we have uh, a time for people to come for prayer. And I've noticed that uh, as we talk with people on the phone or maybe have counseling sessions or sessions with people, we will either open up in prayer or end with prayer. And uh, also, after the service is dismissed, there'll be people in small groups talking, and I will observe that before they leave, they'll often pray for one another as they, before they disperse for the week. You see, we, we, we have made prayer a value. We have modeled that, and it's become a predictable behavior among our people at our church. Values is, um, is something that um, it affects. It begins to um, become your culture. And so it, realize that, that values are, are something that they're, they're a trait. They are a characteristic of, uh, of uh, people begin to, begin to identify with, uh, with your organization because of the values that you have, not necessarily the vision you have. That's what's meaningful to people. People feel values. They sometimes don't know, uh, they sometimes can't um, articulate what it is, but they, they feel it and they know when it's gone and they know when it's changed. And so uh, values sometimes can be very intuitive as far as, uh, as how they work. Values guide communication. They, uh, they, they direct decision-making. They um, help in problem solving. They also um, affect your planning as well. Values are deeper than vision. Values define who, uh, who that you are. Defi uh, vision defines where you're going. So um, in, in really uh, determining how to establish values in your organization, one of the key things is whatever you decide are your values, you as a senior leader must live it and model it. And if you're not willing to live it and model it, then those around you, whether they're your hired staff or those uh, that, are, that are part of your company that, uh, that, that uh, look to you, if you don't live your values, then they're gonna determine that's not important. For instance, uh, you could be a, a leader that says, I want my people to show up and be energetic about what they're doing. But you show up late 
and complain about being tired. Guess what's going to happen? That's a value. Guess what's going to happen? You're saying that you want them to show up and be energetic, but you're showing up late and you're complaining about being tired. So they're going to determine that's not a value to him. Therefore, we don't need to do it as well. You see, one of the things I've observed is that values are, are not just said, but they're seen. In other words, people need to see your values, not just hear that you have them. Such a big difference I see in this breakdown of leaders that say that they, they want to uh, you know, have these values and important and it's things that they say, but yet oftentimes they break down in living them. And that's why it's so important that you build a vision and values around who you are and recognize who you are and who you're not so that it becomes more natural to live them and you don't even have to think about it then others come alongside as i said i uh, the congregation that i started uh, now 21 years ago really grew to about 150 people and stayed there for 15 years and um, I, I have some observations about that that i'll share here at the the in a few moments but um one of the things that I, I recognized is that um, my values, again, uh, were, were to um, communicate what was meaningful to people. And so I wasn't really focused as much on vision as I was values. And then all of a sudden, in the last five years, our church just all of a sudden took off to grew now to 100, uh, 250 and keeps on going. And during that time, I had a side business, which I was splitting up my time between the side business and the church. And it seemed manageable at the time at 150. And then all of a sudden at 250, it's like, I can't do this anymore. I don't have the emotional bandwidth to do both. And so I had to disperse of the side business and then come and take on full-time leadership of the church. Again, that's a value change. I enjoyed the side business. I had a lot of fun. I enjoyed the church, having a lot of fun. Could not do both. I had to switch up my value to now bring it over into the church arena and uh, let go of the side business. And then the church is even growing further as a result of giving more focused attention. So the point is that values must be seen, not just said. <clears throat> my, uh, my father loved poetry and one of the poems that he would recite to us as a family, it was, uh, uh, the title of it was, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. And the same is true with values. People would rather see values in action rather than hear about that you have a value. Let me recap this section and wrap up today's podcast. While, um, while vision outlines the character of your company, values are the characteristic of your company. Number two, values reveal your predicted behavior. When, uh, when you list out your, your values as an organization, think about how do I want people to behave? How do I want them to serve? How do I want them to respond? And that would be in the realm of your values. Uh, the third aspect about values is that uh, th they must be seen, not just said. And you as the leader 
are a primary key in that. It's not just, uh, these are my intentions. No, what are your actions? That relates to our values. And the final thing is that the values are not right or wrong, they're just different. And oftentimes we can make them right or wrong. Well, they, they may be in the, in the company that you're in, like for instance, your employees might have different personal values, but when they come to your organization and get a part of it, then they adopt or, or bend towards uh, your corporate or company or organization values. And we can all do that. And yet sometimes uh, it, um, we get stretched in that. For instance, I gave the example of being in that uh, multi-site church and when the senior pastor changed the vision of being one church in many locations to coming off-site to be central, I recognized that was too much of a stretch for me. I needed to then go do something else. Now the big question, are you a vision-driven leader or are you a values-driven leader? You see, for many years, I was a values-driven leader. Probably the reason why my church grew to 150 and stayed there for a long period of time, because I was concentrating on values. But then I began to realize, no, it's a combination of the two. And I began to switch over and recognize the, the benefit and the, and, and, the, and the place that vision had being underpinned with values, but vision needs to lead. And I began to switch in the last five years and probably some of the reason why the church took off and started growing because vision was beginning to be infused. And so there's a, that, that's one observation. So I started out being a values-driven leader, but now I've kind of switched over to be a vision first, values second leader. The second observation I have about this is that if you're a vision-driven leader, you will get there faster. You will have greater growth. You'll get there sooner. If you're a values-driven leader, it will be more meaningful to you along the way. You'll have deeper relationship and meaning. You're not going as fast, but you're going deeper along the way. And I believe that it, there's a combination of both that you'll find the rhythm in uh, your organization or, or company in order to realize that both are important and both have their place. So maybe with those descriptions, you can begin to recognize which one are you. I pass the baton over to you to recognize which bent do you have, values-driven or vision-driven. And you have to have the wisdom to know uh, which one so that you can begin to uh, adapt and begin to reorganize uh, into what you're supposed to be and what the organization needs from you in order to lead. Sometimes we need to um, <clears throat> uh, stress values. Other times we need to stress vision. It's important to know the difference and to know what your bent as a leader so that you can lead effectively. And other people, when they sense that you're at peace, then they'll be at peace and be able to do their job in a very effective way. So I trust this uh, podcast on what kind of leader you are. You a vision leader or a values leader is helpful for you. Maybe you have some comments that you'd like to drop in the comment section. Maybe you have a question that you'd like to ask us further about something that we could help you with. Again, we're available to help you. Our desire is that we would have a Lyft Leadership Podcast available 
uh, around the 25th of every month. And so that's our desire and goal to do that. You can look forward to that. You can uh, subscribe. And then we have two platforms. One is uh, in our YouTube channel that you can watch. And an another is on Podbean that you can listen to, whichever platform you uh, prefer, uh, we want to provide for you. Again, thank you for listening. And until next time, I pass the baton to you to determine whether you are a values-driven leader or a vision-driven uh, vision, <laughs> vision leader and to know the difference.